Hello and welcome to South Africa on 99.94 Cricket Every Day, or at least every day that we can get to you. I'm Neil Manthorpe. My co-host, as always, is uh, Lungani Sama. Um, And if you do get a chance, do please uh, uh, rate, review and uh, subscribe. You can find us uh, in your normal podcast feed and also on uh, YouTube or the 99.94 app. Um, We're talking about South Africa's uh, test series, first test match in Australia, of course, um, I was there at the Gabba. Lungani was uh, up in the night watching uh, as much as he could and forming an opinion from the highlights packages, which from a South African point of view, I would think was very short. Um, certainly when South Africa were batting uh, with the ball, there were plenty of highlights packages. Some say that the test match was very close, Sums. Um, the fact that, uh, that Australia stumbled to 35 for four, needing 35 for victory, um, to my mind... South Africa were 5-0 down if it was a soccer game and scored three late consolation goals in the last 10 minutes to make this final scoreline 5-3 to make it look close. That's how it felt to me. What did you think? Yeah, man, there was never never a time in that match when you felt South Africa were ahead or even equal. It always felt as if they were behind the game and it was a question of how much they would lose by and, and, and not whether or not maybe they might win, especially after that first innings. Um, so, yeah, to lose by six wickets is a bit flattering. In, in reality, it felt like a much heavier defeat than that. And I think psychologically it probably was because the one thing that we knew was that the bowling attack could compete against any attack. Um, but whatever mental scars or fears that the batting had came back to the surface and I, I don't know I'm not too sure how you recover from that with a couple of days before the Melbourne test okay well, we're going to come on to changes that, that South Africa might make um, I thought that uh, Dean Elgar missed a little bit of a trick after the test match I don't think that he should have um, really got involved in comment commenting on the pitch to be honest I, I, I mean I I just think that uh, there were so many things that he stood to lose by by saying that it was a poor advertisement for Test cricket. Fact is that you know the Test match finished inside two days, and uh, everybody's saying it's only the twenty fourth time that the uh, Test match has finished in two days. That stat only refers to the fact that it finished on the second day. It doesn't refer to the fact that uh, two days equivalent of two days playing time. Actually, it's the third test in a row in playing time, in number of overs that has finished in the equivalent of two days. Um, so so for, for Dean to, to say it was a poor advertisement for test cricket, A, I don't think he should be concerned about advertising test cricket. Just just win it. Just win the game. Watch the ball. Um, and um, <clears throat> it was always going to be used against him. I mean, it, yes, it was a poor pitch. Definitely. And it's been confirmed by the ICC. Match referee Richie Richardson uh, rated it below average rather than poor. Um, But when when Dean admitted, confirmed that he had asked the umpires on the second day whether they thought it was safe, I found that really hard to take seriously. I reckon that was his 80th test match, Dean Elgar. I reckon he's played at least a dozen at home on spicier pitches than that one. Yeah, I mean, th- there was a time when the South African team would request spicy pitches, as they were called, 
to to balance out um, the playing field, especially when teams like India would come to these shores. Um, so, you know, it's a bit convenient to, 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 to then call it so, so, you know, so spicy that you, you deemed it might be too dangerous. It's definitely, there was a lot in the wicket. Um, but as you say, there's, there's been, I mean, I can think of a handful of matches in South Africa where, you know, Newlands early season in 2017, 18, when India came here, Centurion pitches, you know, where they've literally asked groundsmen to leave a sprinkling of grass to make sure that the bowlers can take advantage. And batsmen are happy to take the risk. And I'm sure there's been press conferences with Dean himself before he was captain, said that it's part of the job. You've just got to man up and, and, and wear a few blows, but that's the job you're doing for your team. Um, definitely focusing on on the wrong thing. Um, South Africa just didn't bat well. I think... I think, actually, the spiciness of that pitch brought the results a bit closer. Like you said, it felt like a 5-3. If it was a flat Gabba pitch, South Africa might lost might have lost by an innings and plenty. And that's, you know, that's something to consider as well. The, the fact that it was that sporting a wicket allowed the bowlers to have an even bigger say and sort of masked some of the shortcomings of the batting because Australia struggled with the bats as well. So you mentioned Newlands. Actually, um, at the Wanderers five years ago, six years ago, uh, against India, that pitch was actually marked down as poor. And if you remember, um, I mean, it was a monster of a pitch. And the captain, Dean Elgar, carried his bat, which he's done three times in his, in his career. He faced 240 balls. He finished 89 not out. He was being hit on the forehead by length balls from Mohammed Shami that were rearing up. He was hit in the shoulder and the body and the head. And oh, that was a monster of a pitch. So again, it, I mean, it just, it seemed to me, I almost got the impression that, you know, he, that he said what he said because he was concerned about the reputation of his fellow top five. It was, um, it, it wasn't a great pitch, but you know, what would you rather have a, a, a road on which teams score 600 for four on the first two days and we head inevitably towards a draw. Um, would you want a whole series played on pitches like at the Gabba? No, <laughs> definitely not. But which which one's going to attract both the, the the seasoned viewers like you and me, or the new audience? One that finishes in two days and wickets fall every twenty eight balls, or a flat one? Well, a flat one. South Africa probably would still be chasing leather as we speak. Um, because that Australian top six, a lot of them are either in form or looking ominous to get into some serious touch. Um, the weakness ahead of this of this tour that 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 we all sort of recognised and 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 were very concerned about is the South African batting and and just how few of them have batted long in in any recent time and not just batted long and survived as we said, batted long and dominated. You know, like. <laughs> Manus Labaskachni came off three hundreds in a row or something stupid. Steve Smith, who averages over sixty, is, is is saying that he feels like he's he's found something in his game again and he's ready to to score big runs again. Um, you know, there's there's ominous form everywhere you look in that in that Australian team. You can't you can't say that about one player in the South African team at the moment. There's not one player that you say 
He's going to have a, a Virat Kohli-style series where he scores 300s in four innings or scores a double hundred in a couple of 50s. No one, no one looks like it. And, and, and that should be the, the concern of the South African team and not, not whether or not a pitch is, is, is deemed dangerous or poor or spicy. Make runs. <laughs> Make serious runs. You know, it, the pitch was still good enough for Travis Head to score a 90 at better than run a ball just about. So, you know, there's there, there were still runs there to be had if you're positive, um, and they just they just weren't positive as 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 a team um, over the whole Test match. It looked like survival mode as opposed to thriving. And and as we said, on a pitch like that, a ball is eventually going to have your name on it. Okay, we'll take a short break and uh, discuss uh, the composition of South Africa's top five in a moment. I'm Jared Kimber and I host two podcasts on 99.94. Red Inca, which is chats on trends and stories within the game with a weekly Q&A where I can be asked about anything from a time-travelling Don Bradman to which cricket ground serves the best food. And Double Century, I look at the historical stories that make cricket what it is today. You can search for either of them in your favourite podcast platform or on the 99.94 DM app. Lungani, Zama and I are looking back at the, the first test match between Australia and South Africa, which Australia won by six wickets. Um, a lot of people said to me here in Australia, um, so, so is that the best you've got? Uh, is that top, top five the best you've got? And I exclude Kyle Verena because he made an excellent 64 in the first innings and he did counter-attack um, to, to a degree. He was the only one that, that tried. And I am going to come back to your point about... Um, it's a very good point that you made weeks ago before the team, well before the team left South Africa. You said they need to counter, you can't just survive. You can't just hang in there. You can't just grit it out. You need to, to throw punches back at Australia. But so how did we end up with this top five? Dean Elgar obviously picked himself. He's the captain. He averages 38. Um, but number one to five, if they were... 24, 25 years old, um, and their numbers were what they are, then you, would, you could say, you make an argument and say, let's hang in there. They're learning the trade. They were, they've got great potential. But they have, they're aged between 32 and 35. A um, couple are, are 33. Um, Rassi Funder doesn't... Amazing still to think that he averages 69 in ODI cricket and, and just over 30 in test cricket, a pretty decent sample size, 18 test matches. How did we end up with this top five? As you, I sent you some notes. <laughs> you can see I've been doing my research, sitting through the night. And there are some, you know, people say, like, is there anybody better at home? Yanaman Malan. Let's just run through them very quickly. Yanaman Malan, and this is a sample size. There are others I'm sure I've missed. He's played 49 first-class ma- matches and averages 48. He's also 26 years old. Joshua Richards played 32 matches. He averages almost 50. He's also mid-20s. Marcus Ackerman is a guy you know well. He's been around for for several years. He's 27 years old. He's played 57 first-class matches um, at Kingsmead, which isn't a road by any means. He averages 46 and a half. And then then some some youngsters. John O'Bird, former South African under-19 captain. He's only played six first-class matches, but he was identified years ago as a prodigious talent. And, And... he, he, in his, he's, he's averaging 57 and a half. Evan Jones has played 10 games. He's averaging 71. And Jordan Herman, who was a Titans prodigy, moved down to the Eastern Cape to get some game time and has showed exactly what he can do. He's, 
He's played eight first-class matches. The average is 71. So I'm not saying panic, throw everybody out, start with a clean slate. But we have a selection convener, and I'm not sure, and you probably don't know either, who else is on the selection panel. But they've got to start doing some selecting. Yeah. At the moment, it just feels like... Let's let's not rattle the cage and, and and let's just keep to what we know and absolutely no surprises. And and, and the thing is, a lot of that top five sort of bats in the same gear as well. Um, it's it's very steady, Eddie. It's a strike rate of about forty or fifty. It, there's no, you know, there's no impetus. Um, and again, we keep on looking at others when we when we look at at the way the test cricket is going and how people transfer pressure. England selected Liam Livingston primarily to to give their innings a boost when the second new ball comes and 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 attacks are tired. Um, you know, like specific counter punching people, like you almost call it a pinch hit in Test cricket. But you know, remarkably, they're scoring at sixes and sevens all the time, and that kind of pressure is is a lot. And 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 it's not as if we're looking at this from afar because South Africa played against them just last winter and saw and felt that, that relentless pressure that England play with. They've committed to it and they're not going back. You, you couldn't say what road South Africa have picked as a strategy to approach test matches to either win them or compete in them. It's just we will pick the people that we've picked for the last few years and we'll hope they figure it out when they get in the middle. And if they don't, well, then we're in cuck. And... More often than not, with the bat over the last three years, South African, South African teams have, have have found themselves, you know, in, in trouble because it hasn't changed, and not just changed. You don't feel like there's there's somebody who is is knocking on the door, or or if others have been told, there's someone knocking on the door. If you do not perform, or if you do not show signs of turning a corner. We're going to have to let you go and give someone else a chance. It, it doesn't feel like that. It, it, it really doesn't. And that, that's probably a bigger concern than people being out of form. It's, 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 there's, no, there's no pressure on them to, to be out the team soon because they're almost guaranteed a spot on the basis that you've played a handful of test matches. You will play until you're ready not to play this format. And that's, that's, very, you know, that's, that's not the way that you build a test squad um, that can go out there and, 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 and compete at the highest level. See, I think, Zams, that um, nobody within, well, maybe not the proteas themselves, but nobody within the hierarchy just above them, nobody at sort of director of cricket level has really grasped the reality that selection has got to change fundamentally because there are only seven first-class games in the current structure of South African first-class cricket. You know that we we're still living in the past where it's like go away, make a bucket of runs, um, score a thousand run, eight hundred runs a season for a couple of years, um, and then earn earn the right to be selected. Well, those days are gone. Even even in England, you know they they just picked Rian Ahmed. I know. Look, we're going to talk a lot about England, and I'm not suggesting that we try and emulate the way that they play the game. Um, everybody's got to find their own way, but they have reinvented the way that they think about the game. They like, like you said, um, they picked Liam Livingston, whose first-class record was rubbish. But they said, "You are a quality cricketer. You, you, you are clearly your talent is way above average." And 
as heretical as it sounds, you're going to have to learn about test cricket on the job because uh, that's that's the only place you're, you're going to get the, the chance to do that. You know, and we've got your, your Devolt Brevis and, uh, and, I mean, we didn't even mention Ryan Rickleton. He's played 45 first-class games and he's averaging 53. Um, uh, that's it, you know. Uh, amazing, isn't it, that we've had still no official comment about why he wasn't picked on the plane, but put on the plane. He's come out and said, you know, he called Victor and Pitsang, the selection convener, and begged him, in his own words, begged him, said, I need someone, he said, I need someone to stick their neck out for me. Well, Victor hasn't stuck his neck out for anybody. Well, uh, that reminds me, Menes, it should remind us, it has been two months now, still waiting for that report of... uh, the T20 World Cup capitulation. I, I still haven't heard anything. I, I've, I've looked. I promise you I've looked. Um, I've got a good mind to go to the CSA offices because they're only 10 minutes drive from here and just find out if maybe we missed it in, in, you know, in all the other headlines that have been made. Maybe we missed it. There was a panel that was put together. I, I don't know, but it, 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 it is that. And, and if, if a player who is in great form and averages more in first-class cricket than anyone else that you've got in a test squad, is saying, please, please, please trust me. Please give me a chance. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how much how much more he can do, really. And it's not as if he's saying, please, I'm making 40s and 50s. I'm making big hundreds, and I'm making them regularly. Um, don't, don't, don't wait and pick me on this form in six months' time, when I'm not in this form. I'm in, I'm in form now, and I was in form before you left, and I'm still in form now. The biggest crisis that you've got is that no one is making runs. Well, I'm making them, and I'm making them by the bucket load. So it's just, it's sad. You know, open your eyes. Don't do the bare minimum in your job. Like, be dynamic. The, the whole point of changing selection panels is, is exactly you know, what teams around the world are doing. Changing the way, don't be predictable. You can close your eyes and, almost predict the 11 that South Africa are going to pick for the next test. And I promise you, not one Australian bowler is having nightmares about any of the South African batsmen that they're going to come up against. Not one. That's, that's problematic. That really is problematic. If you ask the South African attack, who they're worried about making big runs at the MCG, they could name three or four on the back of the first test. They said, this person looked in really good touch. If he gets going, if we don't get him in the first 20 minutes, we could... We could really suffer. There's three or four in the Australian. There's not one. There's not one in the South African team. That's a serious concern, and we're talking about an, an even, an even series, an even contest. It's, it's far from it. It's far from it. There's fear on one side, and there's a, a, an almost ominous, a matter of when. You know, Australia know it will happen. They just don't know when. It's a matter of time. You can't compete playing that way. Yeah, I mean, I was just think, reflecting back on, on my career in cricket and I remember the days when, uh, you know, a couple of decades ago, we'd say, quarter of a century ago, we'd say, what, they've only got two warm-up games before the Test Series? And then, and then you know, years later, it was, there's only one warm-up game? And then it's, uh, wow, we're getting a warm-up game. Um, you know, the, you just, you have to, in order, for, and, and I, I was... I would be the first to say, you can't learn test cricket on the job. And now I am, here I am, 35 years later, saying, 
that's what you have to do. You're going to have to learn to play chess cricket on the job. Uh, I've got another question for you in a moment, but we need to take another short break. I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94. We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket. And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket on 99.94. All right, we're back in uh, section three. We're going to wrap this uh, podcast up. We're looking back at South Africa's uh, first test match against Australia at the Gabba, which they lost by six wickets. Um everybody's talking about England and, you know, we have, of course we're going to mention them because um, they've, they have revolutionised test cricket in the last six months. It's absolutely incredible. Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes said that they wanted to entertain. They felt that that was a duty and they wanted to draw people back to test cricket. Um, and the England team are playing very much in the image of their captain. So Dean Elgar's got a great deal going for him. He's the most experienced player by a long way. Um, he, by his own admission, is very old school in his approach to the game. I asked him after the test, when I was interviewing him for the ABC radio, um, did you consider in the second innings trying to throw some counter punches? And, and not, I'm not throwing caution to the wind, not being crazy, not crazy like England, <laughs> but at least playing some shots, you know, and like given that a wicket was falling every 28 balls, and given that you every every batter knew that there would be a delivery with his name on it sooner rather than later, um, did you consider like, just being positive, throwing some punches, and and if you were bowled out for for ninety in in so doing, then so be it. You just accept it. And he said we did think about it. Uh, the time to have done that would have been at lunchtime. That's when South Africa were three for two, and. He immediately said, we, we considered it, but I like to see guys gritting it out. Um, and that's Dean, isn't it? That's Dean Elgar. He is the grittiest of all gritty batsmen <laughs> in the modern era. And so the team were to play in his, in, in his image. I mean, we just spoke to Kai Zondo a short while ago. I asked him the same question and... Um, he wasn't averse at all to the idea of, of playing more shots. I mean, shame, he, he didn't play a shot in anger until South Africa was seven down. It was all he could do to survive. It's all anybody could do to survive. And he did say that he wouldn't have been averse to, to playing a few more shots, but he just felt that, you know, try and get in in first, uh, you know, just try and sort of feel that, you know, I don't know, you, you, you're in as you're ever going to be before you play a few shots. But it's... It just felt like it was never going to happen. It just wasn't the South African way. Well, I mean, I'm going to answer your question with a question, man. As you, you were there in the press box, in and around the press box for that South African, well, the whole match. But th- there's always a reaction when a a team that has traditionally come and competed and and actually won the last three visits there, when they show up and 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 that's and that's the first offering that they give. There's always murmurs and, and reactions in a press box. What was the reaction to to the way that South Africa capitulated, not just in the first innings, but in both innings? Shock um, and disappointment. Uh, I mean, honestly, the series was billed as a as the beginning of the real thing, the real summer, the main course, because the West Indies came here and were were woeful. Um, so shock and disappointment, really. And the matrix, you know, I mean. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a big one on Matrix, but I understand very simple. If you take the the 
career averages of that South Africa top five, the number of hundreds and their test records, they are statistically the weakest batting unit to leave South Africa to tour anywhere since 1931, 32. It's 90 years ago. Um, and, uh, and people are asking, asking me, you know, is, is this the best? Right, that's why I asked you. Is this the best you've got? Well, I don't think it is. And I, I think it, it's a, to, to a degree as well, it's a sort of compartmentalisation that is going on in South African cricket of our best players. Like Yanaman Malan. Why is he in the one-day international box? How did he end up in that box? Because that's what we do. We, 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 we box. We box cricketers in, and that's, that's your lot. Um, well, I say cricketers, mo- most. Um, and, and a lot of them struggle to break through. It's a very rigid way of thinking that we see you as a white ball cricketer, so therefore, until kingdom come, you are only going to be looked at as somebody who can play for us in white ball cricket. Oh, you've made double hundreds. Oh, you average 50. That's great. But we will stick with the guys who average 35 because we've boxed them as test cricketers and we've got to give them every opportunity. It's it's backward. You've, you've said it. It's a backward way of thinking. And it it doesn't advance the game. It doesn't advance the team. And it, the reason I asked you what the reaction was is because, you know, wherever you tour, if if, if your last impression of the team was you know, this great side that came and scored hundreds and won and was confrontational and had an attack. South Africa's batting used to be its strength. The bowling used to be, um, you know, follow up on that. The fact that it's the reverse now and you're just looking around and going, who on earth is going to make runs? That's the one thing South Africa has never toured Australia in the last 30 years and said, who's going to score runs? There's always been people who are going to score hundreds. Um, it's it's just that Australia scored two hundreds, sometimes more and quicker. Um, the fact that you can't look—I mean, <laughs> the team barely scored a hundred as a team. <laughs> so it's it, 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 it is it is sad to, to know that a contest that was awaited so eagerly within well within two days, people are looking around going, "Is that it? You know, is that all you've got?" Um, that that is that is sad. And, and and you wish some of those that picked the team understood just how, lock, how low and how quickly the stock has fallen, really. Final word on this pod then. Um, Pat Cummins said, I thought, never a truer word after the test match. Um, being a bowler and along with all the other bowlers, past and present and current, all said that didn't think there was anything much wrong with the pitch. All the batsmen moaned and whined about it. But here's the thing. Pat Cummins said it was the same for both sides. It sounded a bit trite and a bit like a cliche, but it was never, ever truer. It was the same for both sides. And here's the thing, Zams. South Africa's batsmen have got more experience on pitches like that than Australia's. They, they, you barely get a spicy pitch that sideways movement and up and down bounce in domestic cricket. They love preparing roads. And the Australian kookaburra has got a flatter seam. I mean, that's why all their batsmen are whining about it. South Africa's batsmen should be, have been better. You know, actors don't complain about the stage. They just get on with it. That's what's, that's what's so disappointing, is that they should have been able to do better. Well, the, the, the difference in this two-day test match was Travis Head 
and his 90. He turned his 90 into a 20. And Australia suddenly bowled out for 140, 150 as opposed to 200 in the first. 220. 220. So, suddenly, you know, it, it's, it's a one-innings shootout. But the fact that he came in and immediately counterattacked showed you that on the pitch where bowlers were attacking, there was an opportunity. There were gaps. I mean, he went at everyone. Keshav Maharaj came in, supposedly to drive runs, and he went at him. He took him for 18 and two overs. He had to leave. Kachisa Rabada came back. He hit him for three or four. There was a period of time where he was making a boundary every single over and transferring the pressure because Australia were in trouble themselves. Pat Cummins, he's not saying it for the hell of it. Both teams found themselves in trouble. Australia counterpunched their way out. South Africa tried to block their way out. We know who won. Exactly. We'll have more looking ahead to the second test match at the MCG um, in uh, a couple of days' time, but uh, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to South Africa on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever uh, you enjoy your podcasts. It certainly uh, gives us a welcome boost. Um, You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Neil Manthorpe and at Wamzam17. So never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. (laughs) Cricket every day, your way. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.